You mention Aiden Shaw, oh. and I, I, I instantly turned on. Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Honest Podcast. My name is Samantha Jones. And my name is Carrie Bradshaw and welcome to Sex in the City. (laughs) I was like, wait, she's already said welcome to To Be Honest, the podcast. I can't say it as well. Yeah, it's fine. It's It's fine. fine. It's fine. I'm Cara. I'm Amanda. And unfortunately, we're not super successful 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings. I mean, I'm kind of glad I'm not Carrie Bradshaw. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of glad in some ways that I'm not Samantha Jones, but in a lot of ways I'm mad that I'm not. Yes, I understand. I completely understand. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, this week, if you can't guess by the episode title or by what we just basically went on a tangent about, Uh we are going to be doing... And a whole entire episode dedicated to Sex and the City. We're going to be talking about 10 things that we've learned after re-watching or for Ducky, simply watching Mm -hmm. the series. Mm -hmm. But first, before we get into that, as always, what do you have to be honest about this week? Duck Dog Millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad the nickname is catching on, Mm -hmm. that's for sure. So this week I have to be honest about the fact, this is kind of random, but it kind of goes in line with... Sex in the City in some way. Great. I'm really loving my winter wardrobe that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving it for the first time in my life. I hate winter. I hate winter fashion usually. I am much more of a summer person. Just let me wear shorts and a t-shirt every single day. Right? Mm-hmm. But this winter, I've really just gone all out. And I feel like I'm really loving dressing in winter I have heaps of shoes that I'm enjoying wearing and I'm just I'm feeling good in my skin in the winter which is rare do you think it's because you have said to me on a number of occasions I'm just not a very fashionable person and I feel like that's (laughs) something that you feel like moderately insecure about yeah do you think it's because in summer like with summer outfits like a like shorts and a t-shirt it's far more simple and you can you feel like less pressure to have like a certain aesthetic and now in winter you're feeling more confident because you're coming into your own in terms of fashion well I feel like it's because in summer I definitely just feel more comfortable in terms of like I know how to dress for the summer months if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like I feel like I know how to dress when it's warm Mm -hmm. I have great legs and I love to get the pins out so whenever the pins (laughs) are out I usually feel good right Uh but in the winter it's like everything's like covered up Mm -hmm. and that's been something I've really struggled with I'm like how do I make myself look cute like I never feel cute in anything Mm -hmm. but lately and especially in like the past year or so I reckon I've really found my style of like how I like to dress I actually want to do a whole episode about identity and like the way you present yourself to the world but I feel very very good at the moment in the Mm. way that I'm dressing and like I'm feeling way more confident than I ever have which is great that's great yeah what do you have to be honest about this week well 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 (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest about the fact that I kind of don't practice what I preach about opening up as much as I potentially should and you're acting surprised by what I'm about to say, but like, I'm like, I'm not surprised about what you're saying. I'm surprised that you're saying it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm obviously very like, I'm a big fan of being vulnerable and opening up and like, you know, expressing your emotions. Mm. I, it's just not supernatural for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. It's not supernatural for me to do it. It's not something I grew up doing. It's not something that I necessarily have felt the space to do mm. in for most of my life. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't come super easily for me to, you know, cry or like let out my emotions or even just like express when I need help with something mm. and it's something that I've been conscious of for a very very long time and I think that maybe I go like in and out of phases where like I just forget that I'm or not I don't realize that I'm really not leaning on my friends and I'm saying this because last night we were at dinner with Bonnie and Emily mm-hmm. and I want to say Bonnie attacked me but obviously it was attacked with love yes like she basically said like you need to lean on us more like yeah. you need to do it yeah. you need to tell us and I was like okay <laughs> 
Fair enough. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I'm a little lost, but <laughs> fair enough. Because I had a really, really hard week last week and I just find it really like, I don't know, it's really nice to know that, that your friends can come to you and say like, you've had a hard week and actually you're not, you're not asking for support mm. enough. Mm. You need to do that more. Like yeah. they're, they're saying lean on, lean on us more. Yeah. Anyway, I've never had someone say it like that. <laughs> And it came so out of left field. Like Bonnie turned to me and I was like, oh, we're going here now. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm about to cop it, am I? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, attacked, great. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think like that was definitely kind of like a wake up thing for me because I'm, like I said, a huge advocate for all those things. And it's just much easier to dish out advice and <laughs> much harder to take it. That's such a classic you thing. Like I feel the opposite. What I do feel you mean? like I feel like I struggle to give advice because <laughs> I'm like I don't know what to say I always fear saying the wrong thing but I'm always I'll talk about my feelings to literally right. fucking anyone <laughs> I'm like upset about one thing and I'll call like five of my friends that day I'm like I need five different opinions and five different people to validate me if everything is when I get home and you told me you had like a bad day and you messaged it to me like throughout the day and then you're like so I talked to this person and this person and this person I'm like great so you've got a wide range of opinions yeah <laughs> Like, fantastic. No, but it is on a serious note, I'm glad that you you now hopefully feel that space more and mm. feel encouraged more to talk about how you're feeling. I think it's just like a good reminder that you should lean on other people. Like it's not healthy to not not talk about how you're feeling. It's not healthy to not ask for help when you need it. Even mm. it doesn't necessarily mean like fully depending on someone. It just means saying like hey I'm struggling and let me talk about this this thing right now yeah like I think the thing that I struggle with is like feeling what's the point to me talking about what I'm feeling does that make sense no like (laughs) okay we had two two completely different childhoods that's just a fact (laughs) like for me I'm like you know unless I have like a problem Mm. I think my default and it's not conscious but like unless I have a problem my default is well I don't have not. I don't have anything to ask for, like a solution for, or, like opinions on. Like, there's no solution to like a bad week. So um, <laughs> your face is so confused. Well, I'm just kind of like, if there are things making up the bad week, then even if there's not a solution, there's a there are ways that you can manage that for future and i completely know that but i mean like i think i look at things very black and white yes you do. anyway let's move the fuck on let's get into like the the really fun topic that we have today okay let's stop talking about my bad mental health week. let's just stop talking about it <laughs> okay so here's the thing we as cara mentioned we started watching sex in the city with our friend bray i had never seen it before in my life i've actually seen the movie but I had never seen the series. The so first I, movie? The first movie. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew like a couple of spoilers, but I didn't remember a whole heap. Mm-hmm. And you actually remembered barely fucking anything. Like sometimes I would like, li- I have this habit of lying to Ducky about what's going to happen on the show mm-hmm. because she just believes it so easily. <laughs> and I like to test out my acting skills to see if I could one day have a career. <laughs> um, most of the time the answer is no, I can't. I can't act. But you really don't remember much. About no, that show. I only remembered one thing. Which, um, yeah. 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 The, most, the most obvious thing. Yeah, the most obvious thing. Yeah. So just to be very clear quickly before we get into the episode, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. If you have not watched Sex in the City and you intend on watching Sex in the City, this episode of the podcast is going to contain spoilers for most episodes of Sex in the City. For most major storylines, at yes. the very least, and like... It's just, it's just, it is what it is. And we encourage you to go and watch this Mm. and then come back to the podcast and listen to it. Yeah. And then share your thoughts with us. I think the reason we really wanted to make an episode about what we've learned from Sex and the City as well is because it's such an interesting thing to watch. Like I didn't expect Mm. it to be as progressive as it is, seeing as it was made so long ago. Like I feel like, look, we'll get into it in the episode, but like (laughs) I, it's been really interesting to rewatch it being only like five or so years younger than the characters when the first season started. Completely. And I watched it when I was around like 16 or 17 years old for the first time. Mm. And even the fact that like, you know, you watched it for the first time 
as a 27 year old Mm. and I watched it for the second time like the second proper time as a 28 year old Mm. and I had like such a different experience it was just so so like I I was just like having a conniption after conniption after conniption (laughs) every episode because it was just so relevant but also like um like it made you like think about things more Mm. clearly and also like like you said, we'll get into it, but there are many elements to it that were like relatable, but also just, I don't know, like interesting. Yeah. Because like you said, they're older than us right now. Yeah. Yeah. But not by much. No. <laughs> just quickly as well. When we finished watching the series, Bray, who is our friend who we were with and watching it with, she actually sneakily voice recorded my reaction to the end of the series. Mm. So we're going to insert it here just in case you want to know what my reaction was like. Um, yes, I, I feel like I was very silly, but anyway, it's fine. <laughs> so how do we feel? I feel, I feel like I got what I wanted, but I also didn't get what I want. Okay, what, what, what do you mean? What? I wanted to not feel so sad. <laughs> just emotionally overwhelming i'm emotionally overwhelmed by women i'm emotionally overwhelmed by sisterhood i'm emotionally overwhelmed by love i'm emotionally overwhelmed by how hot smith is that's a great reason i'm emotionally overwhelmed at the fact that samantha the growth the character development she loves a man now. It took us six seasons, but we got there. We fucking got there. We got there with the best man in the show. Although... Steve. Steve. And Aiden. Um, Steve is not the best man. And Harry. Oh, I love Steve. Arguably, <laughs> Harry is the best husband, the best partner. Harry is the best partner. Oh, Smith. Uh, Aiden. <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean, out of the four that they ended up with, I would oh. say Smith and Harry are on par. I yeah. cannot believe that Aiden... Double denim that time. Oh, we're back there. Okay. With the baby carrier. Oh my god, Aiden is so offensive. How do we feel about Big's name being John? Bored. Well, bored, but also like it would be. Give me. It would be. Give me something better though. What would you have named him? Charles. Charles. If you saw fucking Charles on that phone, you would have vomited. Yeah, I would have, think I would have vomited at anything. I mean, Charles Bass. Like, why would you? Why would you name two toxic, hideous, but also lovable men, Chuck Charles? I think that I think that I think that his name could have been something a little more spicy. But then I also think it makes sense why they called him Big because John is so fucking boring. Yes, I understand. But like, think about like classic names. John is a classic, attractive man name. John Preston is a real name. Yes, yes it is. Um, how do we feel about Charlotte getting a child? I think Love that's it. what really got me at the end there. <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's great at those crying Oh things. my gosh, that bitch can fucking cry. That bitch can fully cry. Okay, so let's dive right on into it. These are 10 things that we learned from watching Sex and the City in our late 20s. What is number one, hun? Number one is I feel like it is the number one overarching theme Mm -hmm. of Sex and the City. Okay. And that is, if you'll allow me to open my notes on my phone so I can read it (laughs) word for word and not fuck this up. (laughs) And that is the importance of a sisterhood and the part it plays in our lives. Mm. Because I really, really think, and I think this is a sentiment that's that's kind of shared towards the end of the entire series, Mm. the end of season six. But I really believe that Sex and the City is a show about the love between friends Mm. first, Mm. girlfriends, and romantic love second. I don't. I think it actually misses the mark for people to say that it's about four women dating and having sex. It's about four women existing as best friends and going yeah. in and out of the cycles of life. Mm-hmm. 
I completely agree with you. Like, and this is something I find really interesting and why I don't feel like there are a lot of shows like it or a lot of shows that I have watched that are like it because I feel like so many shows that you watch are like dramas that are focused on like women in a city or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, there's heaps of these kind of shows. They have a huge emphasis on their dating lives. Like that is like the main thing. Like Mm -hmm. I know it's a completely different show, but you look at shows like Gossip Girl or Mm -hmm. whatever and it's like that show is about people dating each other primarily. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, even though these people are friends, you don't see anything about the friendship. It's quite uncommon for friendship to be the main theme Mm -hmm. in a TV series. Or the lasting like central theme. Yeah. Because Sex and the City would not be what it is without the four best friends. Yeah, totally. It wouldn't work. No. Whereas you can't say that about many other shows. You can't say about Gossip Girl if you take away Blair and Serena's friendship if you want to even call it that <laughs> it wouldn't be gossip girl because it would be it would be you could yeah. you could still make the show about that people gossip girl fans are probably going to come for me now <laughs> but like if you understand what i'm saying like it is yeah. a central theme in sex in the city totally and i feel like it's something that really resonates with me and like the amount of times that bray sorry to call you out on the podcast <laughs> hun but bray would be sitting there and she'll just start sobbing she's like oh my god this is us like this is us we've got the sisterhood and like it's so true though because yeah. i feel like something that you and i are very passionate about and we've really embraced especially in this latter part of our 20s well for me personally in the latter p- mm. part of my 20s have really placed an emphasis on the friends that I have and in particular Mm. the sisterhood that I have and creating this like really safe vulnerable space and these really deep connections Mm. whereas like in my early 20s and late teens like a lot of my focus was on romantic relationships and romantic love whereas now I feel just as fulfilled with friendship love and it's just really incredible almost incredible as the the pouring rain that is currently starting like it was blue skies today on the gold coast and suddenly it's absolutely pouring you guys are once again gonna have some natural ambiance in this podcast i will say i've got headphones in at the moment moment listening to us and you would like this right now it's like asmr vibes wow love that so two for one with this podcast oh yeah like congratulations everyone yeah (laughs) but i completely agree with you it's like it's I love that it kind of has in this phase of my life and I guess our lives reflected the importance of friendship mm. and what is that what that's potentially going to look like in the next 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years. Totally. And in particular what I really really like about Sex and the City is that it's not showing that friendships are perfect. Mm. It actually shows quite a lot of moments where they're very flawed and they fight Mm. or they get on each other's nerves or like someone's being like rude and mean and like the thing is is like obviously i'm not i'm not trying to claim that the four characters in sex and city are the most like well-rounded like (laughs) multi-dimensional characters they're not but i do think that when it comes to like displaying real friendship Mm. and like chemistry Mm. it is just like incredible like it's one of the most incredible like cast in terms of chemistry Mm. that i think i've ever watched and so it's actually kind of ironic that they didn't really like each other that much yeah um and that's something that i personally really really related to yeah totally and i love the fact that they show the strength like there are moments that i can remember like charlotte turning up to miranda's baby shower where you're just like crying because you're like wow Mm -hmm. they are just showing like how much they love each other in this moment but then you also see the moments where like Samantha's a bit of an asshole to Charlotte because mm-hmm. they're so different and that's what I really really enjoy about it is the fact that like no friendship is perfect we like that is just the reality of it and often when you watch tv series where they depict friendship in that way it doesn't feel realistic it's a shallow representation a lot of the time yeah and even like towards the very end when like Miranda and Carrie are kind of fighting because Miranda doesn't think she should go to Paris mm. and Miranda's being a little bit Mm self-serving. She's being overprotective, but she's also got a point. And I actually remember you turning to me and saying, I think I said to you, like, like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Cause that's, that was my general question to you throughout the whole series. I was like, what are your thoughts? And you said, they're both right, but they're both also kind of wrong. Yeah. And that is fucking friendship. If I ever did hear a phrase Uh about friendship, it's like, it's just, I think we kind of can get stuck in this like black and white phrase of like, phase of like, 
if I do this, I'll be in the wrong or they've done something wrong and like that's that and like that's all there is to say about Mm. it. But people, like humans are so flawed and humans are so complex and friendships are so emotional. Like they're so emotionally charged. And I think especially the Carrie and Miranda relationship because I think it kind of goes without saying that they are the closest of the four characters Mm. and we Mm -hmm. see the most of their like in-depth friendship. And I think it was actually quite like comforting for me to see that like it's okay to actually be a human Mm. that can't always sort through like your emotions and sometimes you say things that you don't mean or something sometimes you do things that maybe aren't the most self-aware but Mm. at the end of the day if you have good friendships and good communication you can come back to the central thing which is that you love each other and you care for each other and like that's always going to trump everything else yes Agree. Wow, we really went the fuck off on that first point. What's the second point? (laughs) Okay, the second thing we learned from watching Sex and the City is that Aiden is perfect, but it's probably because we never see his flaws. (laughs) Look, here's the thing. You mention Aiden Shaw, and I... I, I instantly turned on. I am not okay. I am not. I'm picturing him in double oh. denim in this moment and I am not okay. Picturing him in double denim, picturing him with a baby. Picturing, picturing him, him building furniture. Oh. Oh. With with wood, carrying wood. How dare you? Picturing him going to help Miranda when she falls down. Oh, oh my God. Don't, 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 don't. I think I might actually start sobbing. I can feel it coming. So I think we need to we need to break this up into two segments because the first time Carrie and Aiden get together, mm. he they actually do not show him as a well-rounded person in any capacity. Like, he is perfect. Oh, yeah. In that first go-round of relationship. And I think the reason they did that was because when Carrie cheated on uh, Aiden with Big, mm. we, they kind of really wanted us to feel it. They wanted us to feel that like Aiden was perfect and she fucked up this perfect thing. Totally. Which that is how we felt. Yes. So congratulations. Congrats. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we felt awful. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but and I think the second go around, like they kind of showed his flaws like a little teeny tiny bit. But honestly, not really. really. Like if that if if that was a real person and that was the extent of their flaws, I'd be like, sign me the fuck up. Oh, honestly. I'd deal with some hair loss and some anger <laughs> issues, slight slight anger issues. <laughs> I wouldn't even say anger issues. No, really. I wouldn't even say that. Like, Frustration issues. Uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, like it's I think and I think the thing with that is that like we even found ourselves feeling like he is the perfect guy and then realizing that that he actually wasn't a, a complete human. In that well, that's show. the thing. We didn't see all sides of him. No. And that's what's important to remember, because when you're watching a TV show like this, these characters that come and go, you don't know, you only know what the character they're interacting with, what their perception of them is. Completely. And also, I would actually say, like, even though I'm not a big fan, hugely, mm. Big is a much more complex character than Aiden. Well, we and we learned that because Carrie digs enough to find mm-hmm. out more about him, so we see more about him. Whereas with Carrie's relationship with Aiden, Aiden mm. she didn't seem to actually know that much about him from what we saw you know what i mean no exactly like it was a much more intricate like intimate relationship with big and like i guess that kind of like feeds through the that's why it feeds through the whole show yeah because it's this very like it's this big love Mm. which is what she says Mm. and i think it's actually kind of funny because as i said that big is a more complex character and it has a more well-rounded kind of like edge to him Mm. i kind of realize that that's probably the reason why i don't like him that much well, no, that's 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 because, exactly right. Because you see his flaws. And, like, I do think that there are a lot of toxic traits there. And I think that that's, like, probably a whole other fucking episode in itself. Because mm. it it is quite a toxic relationship at times. But, like, I, I do think that there's something to be said for sitting back and re- realizing that the reason why you don't like a character is probably because they're human, not necessarily because they're a bad human. Yeah, totally. And I think something that Sex in the City does well especially with their lead characters, is they mm. show their flaws. Like, none of those characters are likable all of the time. Oh. None of them. <laughs> there are, like, oh, my God, that is... Wait, I'm having a full fucking blown connection right now. The fact that you... 
You're so right. Yeah. They're actually really fucking unlikable a lot of the time. Yeah, totally. But that's that's the thing. Every human is flawed. Like, yeah. everyone annoys everyone at some point in their life. It's just the reality of it. And the thing is that because Aiden was a side character, we never saw his full personality mm. in every facet of his life. So true. Yeah. Wow, you just fucked me the fuck up with that one. But if Aiden wants to call me, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> same (laughs) our next point number three is self-expression through fashion is so important and might i add valid oh yeah oh that's the word that's the word because you don't have to be like obviously this goes without saying but like you don't have to be into fashion. You don't even have to feel this or agree that it's important or anything. Like, mm. you don't have to... I'm not particularly interested in fashion. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sex and City really paved the way for, like, wearing whatever the fuck you want mm. and being, like, confident in it. And obviously, like, it's for white, thin women. Mm. So it is, you know, not the best representation there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. That, that is a point. Like, you know us. You know we'll get there. But, you know, I think that, yeah, you're right. Like, it shows that it's... It's a part of your identity in a way. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. And the thing I really like about what you said about that it's valid Mm -hmm. is I think a lot of the time people can be made to feel like, why do you care so much about the way that you dress? Why do you care so much? And why do you spend so much money on this? Whereas like being into fashion and wanting to express yourself in the way that you dress is a hobby just like me playing netball is a hobby. You yeah, know what I exactly. mean? exactly. And it is trivialized a lot and it's shown mm. at times. Like we see it from Carrie's perspective in the show because she's trivialized sometimes. Like mm. there's that whole scene where she leaves a pair of shoes at her friend's house mm. and some her friend's friend steals them mm. and they're like, $600 shoes and the friend like shames her for it yeah. because she's single in her 30s or 40s and has bought $600 shoes. And she's basically like, grow the fuck up. I'm not paying you back for those shoes. Mm. And like whether or not you agree with that whole idea of whether someone should pay someone back for that, people look at fashion that way. They look at women in particular because Mm. obviously fashion is something that's very – it's been like more feminized, Mm. if that's even a word. I don't think I've ever heard it. I don't think it's a word. But it's it's like it's it's a feminine thing we're taught, Mm. even though that's not necessarily true. And I think that in particular when it comes to women who are – older and maybe like not following the more traditional paths it's like oh that's that's what your life purpose or hobby is like Mm. that's what you're interested in like Mm -hmm. that's sad yeah well and it's not (laughs) and that's what I really like about sex in the city I feel like it really brought awareness for me as well like I love the fact that like they all express themselves so differently but the way that the characters express themselves like There doesn't seem to be any shame in it, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, it just feels very, like, wow. And the outfits in this TV show are just, like, you're, like, what the fuck? I would never wear that, but, like, wow. You know what I mean? The outfits are the well-dressed elephant in the room Mm. that everyone is just, like, cool. Yeah. The outfits are not even mentioned unless like one of the characters or carries like i'm so excited to wear this dress that kind of thing like, yeah i love these shoes like it's not even a point of contention like these mm. characters just exist as characters that use fashion to express themselves mm. and it's not a point that's made it's not something that's brought attention to it's not like a story arc it just literally is yeah and it's such a central theme of the show totally wow why wow. don't we talk about fashion on this podcast <laughs> Okay, the fourth thing that we learned from watching Sex and the City in our late 20s is that perhaps our behavior in past relationships has not been ideal. And in brackets, I wrote, see Carrie. (laughs) And I want to make this clear that we're talking about past relationships as both romantic and friendship. Totally. Friendships. I found it really interesting because the older I get, the more I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? (laughs) What the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) What the fuck was I thinking? Why did I think that was okay? Why did I react this way? But the thing that I really enjoy about Sex and the City, again, is the realness of it. The Mm -hmm. fact that, like, Carrie in particular, in my opinion, makes a lot of mistakes. Oh, yes. And her communication skills are severely lacking. Yes. (laughs) And I really, like, 
I don't want to be the carry, but I just kind of am. <laughs> Look, I'm happy. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear why you think that is. So go ahead. I think I'm a mixture of like, I think I'm like 75% carry, 25, mm, 25% Samantha. <laughs> Do you disagree? I don't disagree. And I actually think it's a good point because I feel like um, Sex and City has this like cult, cult like idea around it. that like, you're either Samantha or you're a carry. And it's like, you people think that they're one or the other and it's like a thing but it's like actually we are all mixtures of all four of them like they are characters they are never going to be like like they are exaggerated versions of people totally so i hate to break it to you but no one's ever if you think you're purely a samantha or purely a miranda you're wrong i mean you're purely a miranda (laughs) i don't think i'm purely a miranda who else would you be i think i got some i think i'm mostly a miranda (laughs) I, can't, I don't think you can say that I'm purely a Miranda. Okay, 99%. We'll leave it at that. Um, but no, I find it really interesting to watch it back because Carrie is such a flawed but lovable person. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. Like, I really enjoyed watching that back because I definitely have had behavior in the past that I've been like, I, I feel a lot of shame about, I guess. And, you know, I know that I've grown now and like, especially my communication skills are a lot better than they used to be. And that's something I feel really proud of myself for working on. But I found it really validating almost to like see these characters who are just making mistakes. Like watch like, people fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And like the reminder that people continue to fuck up. Like we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. And like even if the way that I've handled things in the past I don't feel is ideal, it makes me feel really good seeing that you can learn and grow from those kind of experiences. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything in particular that, like stood out to you in that regard i mean i just think the way that carrie in particular acts in romantic relationships i found very hashtag triggering (laughs) because i've done a lot of personal development work over the past couple of years and like just trying to heal from like years (laughs) (laughs) years of just like a lot Bullshit. bullshit and you know I can look at it and go, oh, it was all these other people's fault. But in reality, I'm flawed. And there are ways that I acted and especially the way that I didn't communicate my needs Mm. throughout a lot of my romantic relationships in the past could have saved me a lot of trouble if I just communicated where I was at. And that's something I've learned a lot about. And I found watching Carrie in the way that, you know, when she first meets Big, she's not communicating the way that when she's with Aiden and she doesn't appreciate him. I've done that in romantic relationships before. Mm -hmm. And... It's just like it makes you reflect on the way that you have grown. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's really nice. Mm. Mm. I feel the same way about the watching the friendship interactions mm. and like those tense moments where like someone disagrees with someone or someone doesn't feel supported or like someone gets defensive and like projects. Yeah. Like I think that, yeah, it's really quite powerful to see a situation, even if it's fictionalized, um, a situation where friendships a friendship is shown as something that like is gonna have bumps along the way Mm. and that you can grow from it and that yeah you're flawed but here's kind of like how it resolves and like why yes why like this issue was the issue yeah if that makes sense totally and you're right like i think (laughs) a shocker to everyone is that a lot of the things in the show that are wrong that go wrong come down to communication yeah so just so everyone's aware you should communicate. <laughs> okay. So our fifth point is sex in the city is so progressive that some things they talk about in the show are still taboo even now. And the show first aired, and I think it was 99. So let's do the math on that. I think that's like 23 years ago. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that feels wild because something I found really interesting about watching it is like, for example, like The Bold Type is a mm-hmm. show that just finished. And I found that to be progressive watching it, right? Mm, but it is quite a progressive show. It's quite a progressive show. Yeah. But then I go back, when we're watching Sex in the City, I'm like, but fuck, Sex in the City, they were talking about some of this stuff. And this was 20 years ago. Like, yes. even watching The Bold Type, I was like, this is progressive now. The fact that they were talking about it mm-hmm. when Sex and the City was on, I was like, that's that's great. And I feel like it would have been a really empowering show for women to watch and feel like more, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's just because of my age and stuff like that, but I feel like there's a lot of things that maybe 
women in used to not talk about as much. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there are so many things about sex in the city that completely broke barriers. Right. Not only was it literally, I think it was the first TV show. Like it was very controversial. I'm pretty sure when it first came out because it was super controversial for the fact that it showed women having sex casually, mm-hmm. enjoying sex. It obviously has, like, very graphic sex scenes. Mm-hmm. It showed, like, unmarried women in their 30s just dating mm. and not necessarily doing anything serious mm-hmm. with, with, like, their relationships. It had openly gay characters mm. and, like, gay relationships. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that it yeah. did for the first time. And it's it's hard as, you know, two people living in 2021 who – you know, we were like literally like six years old when Sex and the City <laughs> aired. Like it's by the time that we kind of gotten old enough to fathom these things, things like gay rights at least were like on our radar and like so obvious to us. So yes. when you sit there and you watch this show and you're like, these are things that like adults who are watching this show in their 20s or their 30s, they maybe had never properly thought about these yeah. things before. Yeah. Or they'd never thought that they were valid to express certain feelings. Mm. Another great example is when – Charlotte has a miscarriage. Yeah. Miscarriages are so common. Mm. So fucking common. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to quote a statistic that I think I know because every time I've done that on this show about anything medical, my midwife or nurse friend messages me and like, that's not right. Like, that's not correct. So I'm not going (laughs) to say it. But they're so common. And like, Mm. I know that miscarriages also are rarely talked about because they're considered shameful, Mm. even though they are not shameful. Yeah. Um. Are there anything that you – is there anything else that you think is taboo, like that it was on your mind? I think the way they talked about female pleasure because, like, Mm. that's something that even now is still not talked about heaps, like, in terms of, like, TV and film and stuff like that. So I found that really interesting, the fact that, like, I didn't even learn about female pleasure for a really long time. Mm. And the fact that there was a TV show out there – doing that I just find really really interesting like I think it's really great and I'm just shocked that there's not more tv like sex in the city Mm -hmm. happening now yes Mm. I completely agree it is quite a simple show at its core isn't it oh so simple but the thing is that it's once again we bring it back to the realism of it they talk about real things they present real relationships it doesn't feel like you're watching some fabricated tv show and like the beauty of film and television is that you can be so imaginative and do so many great things but there is something about watching a show that is relatable that Mm -hmm. just hits different for me yeah exactly you can enter like fantasy worlds in tv shows and movies but yeah yeah i think most people would agree with that that the relatability of something really is what kind of like strikes strikes you about a show totally yeah just as like one final point i also think even though all the characters all the main characters end up with a romantic partner Mm. in a straight like a heterosexual relationship at the Mm. end of the show i do think it also broached the subject of like the potential for being single just like in your late 30s early 40s and Mm. beyond and also because like yeah like the central storyline that whole show was that like most of them weren't married no and until quite like a quote unquote late and most of them didn't have the desire to have children either yeah exactly which again is still kind of taboo now yeah exactly or like even like you know with miranda getting pregnant and like not knowing if she wanted to keep it or Mm. not being that excited and like also I just realized Miranda not having motherhood as the central force of her character. Mm. She had a baby and like, yes, obviously that was like a storyline that was explored, Mm. but I feel like by like seasons five and six, we just like forgot Brady was even there, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which I was happy with. Uh I was like, give me back the old Miranda. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she was working. She didn't give up her career. She Mm. didn't. All these things that I think we traditionally feel like women should do if they are pregnant or if they have a kid. Miranda's kind of like the antithesis of that. Oh, yeah. Which I really liked. Okay, and following on from that, the sixth thing that we've learned is that whilst we have really progressed when it comes to some social causes and the representation of people on the screen, we still have a very long way to go. Yes. I mean, we mentioned before that it is a show about four predominantly straight, white women, thin able-bodied you know just stock standard really like just what you kind of uh, I mean and again like it's it is what we have seen on tv for 
so so long yes especially in the 90s but it's not that progressive in terms of representation yeah totally agree it's not progressive at all actually it's interesting watching tv shows like i was even listening to the oc podcast today Mm. and they were talking about how they were they had watched this episode back and they'd been like wait there are no people of color in this Mm. show yeah and that's the same with sex in the city like we saw barely any people of color yeah like i think of the whole the whole season sorry the whole series Mm. i think there were two love interests that were people of color men of color Mm -hmm. one was that really problematic storyline with samantha where she was trying very hard to appropriate black culture do you remember that one oh my god yes and it was really really like quite cringy yeah and like obviously like it's meant to be funny because she's being absolutely fucking ridiculous but like the point wasn't like that she was appropriating the point was that she was being ridiculous yeah that's just not the right point to be making no, in that situation. No. Um, and I guess the uh, the other relationship was Miranda and her neighbor, who that was not a any kind of like racial storyline. No. So, so that was I guess that's kind of like what you want to see is just like two people who are interested in te- each other who are from different backgrounds or you know yeah a diverse a diverse couple really yeah. It I those are I think those are literally the only two people of color like. I guess when Samantha has her lesbian experience, her bisexual experience, that woman I think is like South American. Mm. But that's honestly all I can think about. Yeah, it lacks diversity. Sex and the City severely lacks diversity. And you can tell now watching it back. Like, absolutely. You even see, like, not to bring up Gossip Girl again, but the new (laughs) Gossip Girl's about to come out. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it's coming out today. Oh my God, I'm so excited to watch it. And. (laughs) It's even with the trailer, mm. you can tell that it's a diverse cast. 100%. And I think that's because now, and you know, we can, we can debate whether or not this is the right reason to do it for, mm. but now I think film studios and producers and like people who make TV and movies know that there's going to be something said if mm. a cast, especially like, especially a TV show, if it's going to run for like years and years and years, if a cast is all white mm. or all a very like, you know, idealized like beauty standard, mm. there's going to be something to say. Oh, People totally. aren't going to shut the fuck up about it anymore. Yeah. Like they probably did when Sex and the City came out. And I think the same thing goes for body type representation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't watched the movie yet, but I think, there was, a, there was this clip going around a few few weeks ago about a clip from the Sex and the City movie oh. where Samantha has gained some weight. Oh. Do you remember this? No. Oh, did you not see it? No. You're going to see it tonight because we're watching the movie tonight. Yeah. Um, it's Samantha's gained some weight and there's a comment said about it and it's very, very not okay. Wow. It's like a thing and like it's, it's made to be bad that like weight has been gained and like it's it's a very interesting thing and again like you don't see many plus size people in the show if they are they're like side characters like mm. in and out in like a matter of like minutes kind of thing something i find really interesting about film and television in general is i feel like when you have plus sized characters in film and television their character is that they're plus sized yeah like they're either confident and it's like despite the fact that they're plus sized yeah or the jokes are that they're plus size. You're right. Yeah. yeah you're it's, completely right. It's never just like, this is how the character is, which I find very, very interesting. They're never just existing. No. Because I guess like, I guess in a lot of ways to be any kind of marginalized person. And like the same can be said about if you're a person of color, because a lot of storylines about like in TV shows and movies now, like they'll have a person of color for the sake of it being a storyline about a person of color. Does mm, that make sense? Or yeah. from the point of they are the like black friend or mm, that kind of thing. Mm. So, and like, it's kind of, I think it comes from this idea that like people think that to be diverse needs to be a teaching moment. Yeah. And, and it doesn't that's, because yeah. people who are, you know, not able-bodied or if they're plus sized or if they're from different cultures, different religions, different races, they're not there to teach anyone anything. No. They're there to exist and they are their own human. Mm. 
And so you're completely right. It's super interesting. Yeah. I love this next point (laughs) so much because I couldn't relate to this more. (laughs) When we were younger, we all wanted to be a Carrie. Mm. And now that we're in our late 20s, we all want to be a Miranda. (laughs) And obviously not everyone's going to want to be a Miranda, but I think it's kind of like... I actually saw this like thing. I don't know if it was on Twitter or Instagram or something that someone made a post being like, everyone gets to an age where they realize that they want to be the Miranda. Like you go through phases of wanting to be the other characters and you get to a certain age, you're like, no, I want to be Miranda. (laughs) Well, like, I think the thing is Carrie is the kind of a chaotic friend. Yeah. And like, I think honestly, like in particular, like when you're younger and like maybe watching TV shows and stuff, chaos is kind of like glamorized in a way. Mm. And then you kind of get older and you realize that chaos is kind of, chaotic and not fun to be all the time no not good for your mental well-being not good for your mental well-being <laughs> no and i think that it's not that's not to say that like if your people are if anyone is like harry it's a bad thing mm. it's just that miranda has some really strong qualities that are can kind of br- make people bristle like you know they make people like they're not people aren't, some people aren't sure what to think of Miranda Mm. or people like Miranda because she's very strong-minded she has her opinions she's not afraid to like say what she feels yeah I completely agree and I feel like people get to the point where they're like they want to be that you know strong-minded they want to be that for lack of a better term successful like there's a lot of things about Miranda that I think are intimidating mm-hmm. when you're not a Miranda. And yeah. then when you you get to this point where you realize, actually, it would be kind of nice to be intimidating. I'm a fucking Miranda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think that Carrie is more palatable for yes. people. And Miranda is, it, it, I think it can kind of trigger these like internalized feelings of what in particular a woman is meant to be. Like she's mm. not meant to be, not meant to be like, earning heaps of money and more successful than her partner, mm. which is a storyline in the in the show. She's not meant to be, like, super opinionated, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, just even, like, beauty standards. Like, Miranda's not, like, the typical, you know, image of feminine beauty necessarily. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's kind of like as you kind of get older and especially when you're in your late 20s and you're kind of like, fuck everyone and everything. Mm. I don't give a fuck if I'm like Miranda. In fact, I want to be Miranda. <laughs> my experience anyway okay so the eighth thing we learned oh this is a big one okay the eighth (laughs) thing we learned is that there is so much more to being a woman in your 20s 30s 40s than being in a romantic relationship even though sex in the city has focused a lot on dating it also deals a lot with friendship which we've talked about as well as grief having children career etc i think i yeah i think this is like a central like it's such an important thing to talk about because when we i mean maybe i'm wrong here but i feel like i'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> when we think about going forward in our lives a lot of people tend to think about are they going to be married are they going to have kids mm-hmm. are they going to have a partner are they going to be single like that kind of thing it's mm-hmm. very romantic relationship based totally and you're right like i didn't even think about the fact that grief is like a really big part of the show yeah and yeah finding religion and Mm. you know having different uh sexual experiences like you know exploring your sexuality and stuff like that it's really powerful to kind of like realize that you are so much more than your romantic relationship totally and like we've talked about this on the podcast quite a lot before the fact that you know like i mean Kara's 28 and i'm 27 and honestly we're getting to this fucking age where people start asking questions because mm-hmm. we're getting to this age where mm-hmm. people assume if we're going to like meet someone and like decide to get married and decide to have children like it's probably going to happen in like the next 10 years right (laughs) like and honestly 10 years if if we did it in 10 years people would think we were late bloomers oh yeah so it's kind of like chop chop the time is now yeah and it's really interesting because something that i love so much about sex in the city is the fact that it focuses on so much more than romantic relationships Mm -hmm. like we said friendship obviously we've covered but yeah like 
the choice to have children Mm -hmm. is discussed a lot. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that because I feel like it's often assumed in society that people want to have children. It's like, it's like how people assume you're straight Mm -hmm. until you tell them you're not. It's the assumption that you're one way until you specify that you're the other. Yeah. Like it's the assumption that people would assume that I want to have children and if I told them I didn't, it would be shocking. It's the default. Yes. Yeah. And so I really love how they, you know, discuss this and they talk about it from the perspective of a character like Charlotte who mm. really wants to have children and then a character like Samantha who's like, fuck, no, I don't want to have children. Yeah, and- like a definite no. And then like Carrie who's mm-hmm. in the middle where she's kind of like when, you know, towards the end of the series when she's with a man who's older who definitely doesn't want to have kids. Mm. She's like, well, I don't don't know yeah if i want to have kids actually like she's completely in the middle and it's not black and white it's shades of gray yes yes and i so appreciate that and the same goes with grief and career i feel like i really really loved the storyline of charlotte with her work because Mm -hmm. i think that when she stopped working i really loved the way that they focused on how much she missed it Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the time, and like this isn't as common these days, but a lot of the time it's assumed that a woman, you know, will give up her work to be a mother. At least temporarily. And it's really, really interesting because I liked the way that they almost showed her grieving her career Mm -hmm. and grieving the experience of like not having something that she's super passionate about anymore. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, life in general is about, zest and passion in general and just Mm -hmm. about having these things that you love and you know a romantic relationship is not fulfillment enough and that's just a fact like a romantic relationship is not going to fulfill you for the rest of your life there are so everyone is multifaceted Mm -hmm. and I really like the way that came across to me while watching the series I couldn't agree more our ninth point and Possibly our most important point, I would say. I think this might be the most important point. Berger invented the soft boy. We're talking about Jack Berger. Is that his name? Look, we're talking about, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. That's who we're talking about. I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me on a post-it note. That is the most soft boy thing I've ever heard. That's more soft boy than being like, have you listened to Mr. Brightside? Mm. <laughs> Wait, that's so specific of you to say. Well, it's just like <laughs> such a soft boy thing to do. Be like, oh my God, have you heard of this band called The Killers? They have this really great song called Mr. Mm. Brightside. It's like, yeah, I got fucking drunk to it when I was 16 at my mate's place. Like, mm. yeah. it's not that big of a deal, bro. You know? <laughs> You're looking at me so funny right now. I just feel like I've encountered so many soft boys in my life. What's the thing? And like, just for the record, we want to describe a soft boy as someone who thinks it's like absolutely fucking revolutionary that they have an emotion. Yes. (laughs) Yes, essentially. And it's like, it's like when you date a man who thinks that because he's emotionally available, he can um, treat you like shit. But also I want to say that Berger is absolutely not emotionally available. Like he kind of but is he like... he thinks he is. He thinks he is or he thinks he's like smarter than everyone else. He thinks that he's got it like more figured out. But he's actually deeply, deeply fucked up. But then the second that he realizes he's fucked up, he it turns into... I can't help it. I'm fucked up. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's he like, switches. It's like when it big, suits him. it's big Jughead in Riverdale. I'm a weirdo vibes. Okay. I haven't even seen that episode. I've seen the clip. But it's so <laughs> fucking cringy. I can't possibly think about it. But it is that vibe. It's like, you know, can't fucking handle, you know, wants to be with a successful woman, a talented writer like Carrie, but can't handle it when she's more successful than him. Yes. And can't be around her like friends because they're just like, you know, are too loud, I guess, or, like, make him feel a bit insecure because he's intimidated and, Mm. like, he can't separate his, his, himself from what the reality is. And his ego. And his ego. And a soft boy has nothing if not his ego. I'm sorry, I can't. Don't hate me. I wish we could name this episode that, but I just feel like it would go over people's heads. I, I really want to call it that, though. Let's let's discuss. We'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the last thing we learned from Sex in the City 
is that aging is something to embrace, not fear. Mm-hmm. I have really become aware of the fact, and I'm not proud of it, of the fact that I have been just falling into this trap of like feeling, I don't know, like like dreading my 30s. I'm 28 now, in my late 20s. And I have been making, I've caught myself making these jokes or like saying things about how it's horrifying that I'm almost 30. And it's like, you know, I actually don't even feel that way half the time. I just feel like I'm meant to feel that way. Yes. And so I'm meant to joke about it. Mm. And watching Sex and the City, I was like, this show starts when they're in their mid 30s. Yes. And I love that because not only do we rarely see shows or movies or any kind of media where it depicts women who are older Mm. enjoying their life Mm. but like you know in the scheme of sex in the city it's like life starts in your 30s yes and we're sitting here thinking that's gonna fucking end (laughs) well that's the thing we've been taught that our entire lives that like once we get to 30 it's over and we should be like having children and getting married and that should be our entire existence Mm -hmm. and we should have it all figured out and the reality is you never have it figured out a and b what the fuck do you mean? Hopefully, hopefully I'm going to live for 90 years, maybe 100 <laughs> if I'm lucky. But the fact is that what am I thinking sitting here at 27? It has taken me so long to get to 27. You know oh, what I mean? It's taking you 27 years. It's taking me 27 fucking your years. Whole life. <laughs> I'll be 54 in another 27, but that 27 years has already taken so long. I'm like, I don't think that I feel like I felt, you know, even with like, my physical appearance being like, oh, I shouldn't be looking like I'm aging and mm-hmm. things like this. Like they're so present. It's so present, this fear of aging where it's like, isn't, shouldn't we just be more excited about the fact that we have so much more life to go? Yeah, completely. And I think even our last point about, you know, experiencing like the grief, but like all these other like career achievements mm. and like life achievements that come beyond just romantic relationships. I think that it really, like watching the show really reminded me that there is so much Mm. that we're going to be doing in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, like literally for the rest of our lives. Mm. And it's like actually really fucking dumb to be scared of the fun we're going to have. That's the thing. I'm like, there is so much more life to be lived and I'm so tired of fearing turning 30 and then fearing turning 40 and fearing looking like I'm aging. Like Mm. that is what life is. And life is, not about how I look and life is not about what I haven't done. It's about what I can do, you know? Completely. And it's like about who you spend it with. And like if if I spend my 30s – and it's actually funny because it's like our 30s are not that far away. So it's like what do we think? Are we going to turn th- – like 30 and like our lives are going to change and we're going to be like bored and hate our hate everything and no. never have any fun ever again. <laughs> like we're going to be having brunch with our friends. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be, you know, maybe in like loving relationships or mm. traveling the world and things like that. Like when you really sit down and think about it, you're like, what is this lie that I've been sold yeah. about turning 30, turning 40, turning 50? That, like, I suddenly can't do anything once I... That, that I suddenly don't have anything to look forward to. Yeah. I'd, this Watching the show just, like, really... Yeah. Really, like, drove that home for me. There's so much to look forward to. Like, I look forward to even being a grandparent one day. Okay? <laughs> okay. That's... You don't have that's to quite, me about That's it. quite a while off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really... I think that and the friendship thing is really what I took home from like watching this show over again yeah was that like it's gonna sound so cheesy and it's gonna fucking sound like a Hannah Montana lyric but (laughs) life is like what it's it's what you make it like it's what you I almost don't even want to put that in (laughs) we're putting it in we're putting it in (laughs) but like it it's what you it's 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 the energy that you put into it if you want to have great friendships when you're mm. in your 30s or 40s, you have to put the energy into it. Yeah. If you want to be traveling or you want to have like a great career and everything, you need to put that energy into it. And mm. I think if you're conscious of like what you want to achieve and what you want to do, there's no reason to be really fearful of aging. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful way to end it. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> don't hate me <laughs> you're such an idiot <laughs> uh, 
as always, everyone, we are so grateful that you are here with us today. Yes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope that if you've never watched Sex in the City, maybe you're inspired to go and watch it. Yeah. If you do watch it, because after listening to this episode, please tell us what your thoughts, mm. even if they're not completely in line with our own. <laughs> um, regardless of whether you watched it, you know, now or ages ago, we want to hear what you think. We'll be posting some questions on our Instagram as we always do. Um, and in addition to that, most episodes, not this one, we do unprofessional opinions. So if you follow us on Instagram at tbh.pod, you will also be able to ask us some questions for future episodes. Yes. And you can find Kara on Instagram at Kara Reedy and myself on Instagram at Amanda Ducks. If you're listening to us on Spotify, we'd love if you could follow us. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love if you could subscribe and review. As always, we appreciate you being here so much and we appreciate you supporting our teeny tiny podcast. <laughs> we hope you have a beautiful week and we look forward to being in your ears next Friday morning. Bye, I'm sorry I can't donate me. I don't have anything else to add. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs>